Welcome to the Leadership Podcast, brought to you by LifeWest, the Chiropractic College. I'm your host, Dr. Ron Oberstein. And I'm your host, Dr. Mary Oberstein. And we're excited to have you join us as we bring special guests in the world of health, leadership, business success, and chiropractic. Our mission is to create a brighter future for humanity, and we are thrilled to walk this journey with you. Enjoy this episode, and thank you for being with us today. Well, welcome everybody, Dr. Ron Oberstein at Life West. I uh, I am uh, honored today, and welcome to our Life West Leadership Line. I am honored today. You know, I am number three, President number three, to sit in the seat at Life West. But I am so honored to have number one, and <laughs> always be number one, number one in my heart. That's for sure. Uh, Dr. Jerry Klum with us today. So, Jerry, welcome, welcome to the Life West Leadership Line. Thanks, Ron. Great to be with you. Yes, it's great to see you and, and, and you. San Francisco in the background and all that stuff that's happening. You know, it's, it's so yeah. cool. And, I, I, you know, the truth is, is and I think our viewers will know this, that, that unless they've been in practice for five years or more, there's no introduction because everybody should know who Dr. Klum is. Right? <laughs> and, and, and it's just how it is, you know, well, um, you're very kind. And we've got a long history, obviously, you know, we can talk about that another time or maybe today, but um, I'm just really, I'm tickled pink to have you with us. Uh, we've got a lot that we can go through today. Um, and what I'm, what my thoughts are today was let's kind of do a trip, you know, let's start from the very beginning and just kind of go through and, um, you know, and see where the future is going to take us because the insight that you've had has just been incredible in chiropractic. I know there's a special day coming up, correct? There is. There uh, is. Tell us about it. Well, October 12th will be the 50th anniversary of freshman orientation at Palmer. Uh, it was October 12th, 1970. And uh, I was 18 years old and away from home for the first time, scared to death. Yeah. And um, it was Columbus Day, Monday. And um, I got uh, went through the orientation process, and I was assigned post office box 1592. And I thought, this is a sign. This is a sign. Columbus Day, I got box 1592. <laughs> and I, I, I was just thrilled. I was just, it was, it was, it was the anchor that I needed Welcome to, to get through the Welcome to the Leadership Podcast. And, I'm your host, Dr. Ron Oberstein, and we're excited to have you join us as we bring special guests in the world of health, leadership, business success, and chiropractic. Our mission is to create a brighter future for humanity. And we are thrilled. Your fallback was a meeting. Come on. Hey, was this our Tell us three, tell three us. out of four is okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> tell us this because you know what? Obviously, in 1970, you started school when you were 18 years old. I did straight so out of high school. There, was there prerequisites? In high school. That, just high school. High wow. School. Yeah. You know, and and where we've come, you know, and you've went through all that transition of, yeah. of where we are now, you know, and so so. So you're at Palmer. You're 18 years old, right? You're in. You're in beautiful. I mean, you left Buffalo, correct? You're in Buffalo. Yeah. Buffalo, yeah. Yeah. So maybe going to Davenport. I don't know if it was up or down. I can't say. Or it was a lateral move. I'm not going to make that judgment because yeah, yeah. I, I know Buffalo is really is an up and coming city right now. I mean, there's it a is. lot of great things happening. I can't speak for the 70s, but you moved to Davenport. You know, as an 18 year old on your own, going to chiropractic school, and you know, 
I know, I don't know if everyone knows what happened, like how, how you got to Davenport and, you know, Dr. Cassans and stuff. But why don't you, if you'd share that, that'd be wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I was, a, a my history is one of those miracle stories in chiropractic. Um, as a 12 year old kid, um, I started to develop some very significant vision problems. Uh, and um, I wound up falling repeatedly and I had three fractures. And uh, the third was a boxer's break uh, on my, uh, my left hand index finger. And um, uh, the orthopedist as a joke, joking with my dad said, uh, you know, what's wrong with this? Cause we need to get his eyes checked. And they did. And uh, I had had a very significant loss of, of eyesight and, and vision. And uh, that started my folks on a, a process of uh, evaluations and diagnoses to find out what was going on. And ultimately I was di diagnosed with bilateral optic atrophy, which as most folks will know is a deadening of the nerve head as it enters the, the back of the eyeball. Uh, and it results in a very large uh, visual blind spot uh, physiological blind spot or an enlarging blind spot and, and a general deterioration of the vision. And it, it was, um, very often at that time associated with multiple sclerosis as well. Uh, so the initial concern was that I had MS and, uh, so on. And my folks took me over to, to, we lived in Buffalo and the big diagnostic center of the area was Cleveland clinics and uh, which still is for that matter. Um, and I was seen at Cleveland clinics and they did a procedure called a pneumoencephalogram. And uh, you got a picture of this. You're anesthetized. You're in a chair. They do a lumbar puncture. They drain the cerebrospinal fluid. They replace the cerebrospinal fluid with air. So now where there was fluid, there's now air. And now there's a contrast between the water density and the air density in the brain. And they can get some images. This is pre-CT, pre-MRI. Yeah. And they take try and take the air out, try and put the fluid back in, and you wake up a day later convinced your brain is being sucked through the floor of your skull. And it was a brutal, brutal test. Um, and uh, they concluded that I had uh, optic atrophy. And the prognosis was progressive deterioration, ultimate blindness, and my folks were advised they better get me into Braille school. Well, this was uh, July 4th weekend. 1964, uh, we were in Cleveland, and we came back to Buffalo, and uh, my father has had for years seen a chiropractor in a little town on Lake Erie on the Canadian side called Port Colburn, and I happened to go with him, and uh, he had missed several appointments, and uh, the chiropractor, Dr. Kassan, asked my dad, so where you been? And my dad filled him in a little bit, and we happened to be the last patients of the day, and um, he said, well, tell me some more about it. And we sat down and, and I'll never forget it. I can, I can close my eyes and I am 12 years old. I'm sitting in those Naugahyde six waiting room chairs on the second story over Pajetto's Meat Market uh, in Port Colburn. Dr. Cassan's in one chair, my dad's in another, and they're talking about what the findings were in Cleveland. And my dad was had a 10th grade education, a uh, very smart man, but he wasn't well-educated. And he was intimidated by people that were. And he talked to Dr. Kassan about what he was told. And, and uh, I remember him sitting there, Dr. Kassan sitting there with a Gray's, a Guyton's, and a Boyd's, trying to explain to my dad what bilateral optic atrophy of idiopathic origin, 
with ultimate diagnosis or ultimate prognosis of blindness really meant. Mm-hmm. And as a 12-year-old kid, one of the greatest things I ever got out of chiropractic was sitting there watching the fear and the suffering and the agony drain out of my dad's face when Dr. Kassan explained to him what was going on, and he got it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that conversation, Cameron looked at my dad and said, Don, I don't know if I can help the boy. Guarantee I wouldn't hurt him, and I'd love the chance to try. And I got my first adjustment that night. That night, my vision was 2200 correctable to about 2100. Uh, and three, two months later, uh, when we went back home to Buffalo for the after the summer, went back to the ophthalmologist and um, literally basement office, little home office in Port, in Kenmore, New York. I'm in the ophthalmology chair. This guy's got this big old mustache, smoking camel cigarettes, no filters. I got those old glasses on that weighed about 40 pounds on your face that they put the lenses into. And I'm sitting there, I got that thing, and he looked at a cigarette in one hand, a thalmoscope in the other. He's looking at it. My dad's behind him, and he's talking. He said, didn't miss a, a beat, didn't miss a puff. He says, this is a goddamn miracle. And uh, my dad didn't say anything. He said, well, what would you do to this boy? He said, we took him to a chiropractor. Exact quote. I wouldn't take my dog to a chiropractor. That was it. And all I knew is the people you sent me to damn near killed me with that pneumoencephalogram. And this guy that my dad took me to that you wouldn't take your dog to was one of the nicest people other than my father I'd ever met on the planet. And, you know, what the hell is going on? And literally, 12 years old, sitting in the ophthalmologist chair, that day I decided to be a chiropractor. Oh, man. That's, that's, that's beautiful. And um, my vision was that day was, was a was correctable down to about 2060. Wow. And um, the, um, so I went on, I eventually, uh, (laughs) you'll get a kick out of this. Uh, I was in high school. Uh, Because of the vision problems, my parents had gotten me into vocational rehab with the state of New York. And I went to see my counselor uh, in, in, in downtown Buffalo. And I was excited to tell him about my eyesight had changed and, I was doing better, and he said, listen, kid, he said, this says prognosis is ultimate blindness and continued deterioration. He said, you want to go to school? He says, yeah. He says, where do you want to go to school? I said, Palmer College in Davenport, Iowa. He says, fine, we'll take care of that. He said, that other stuff about you getting better? He says, keep that to yourself. (laughs) (laughs) He said, a lot of paperwork. I don't want to go there. (laughs) Exactly. exactly. But you know what's amazing is that because now when you hear when you hear miracle stories in chiropractic what they call miracle stories most the, the lay pro- yeah it's like get out of here man my my my, my eyesight was saved yeah yeah and and it's like it's like so many of this this has happened i mean for the eons of time right and somehow we got pigeonholed along the way right into you know back pain you know whatever it might be you know and a lot of people felt it was when medicare and all other kind of stuff but really what I want to touch on is, is Dr. Kassan. Yeah. Because, because here's a man who, who basically told the truth to your father and said, you know, I don't know if I can help him. I sure as heck won't hurt him. 
and I love to have the chance. And and you know, Dr. Gassam was deeply rooted in chiropractic, right? So so he guided your path, right? And oh, so yeah. so yeah. share with that, you know, because you yeah. know. Because at Palmer, you know, then then you got then then you then you found Dr. Williams along the way, right? Well, no, Cameron was involved in there too. You know, I I came back to Cam and 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 uh, and I literally, I mean, he was he was just the nicest man you'd ever want to meet. And um, you know, the the if if you were to say, you know, I want you to go into a meditation and go to the, the safest spot you've ever been in your life. It would be laying supine on a high-low table in his office with my head and neck in his hands. I mean, it was just that good, you know. And he had these hands that were just these massive pillow-like things that you just sunk into. And it was just, God, it was great, you know. And and, and just just the, the feel. I, I'm just overcome by it right now thinking about it. But I, I told Cameron I wanted to be a chiropractor. And he was very encouraging. And... Um, um, over the summers, you know, this started when I was 12 years old. So, uh, every summer we'd go back to Canada and throughout the summer, I'd see much more of him during the summer because we was very close and it was easy to get to. And, you know, it was a, it was a cross border trip when we, when we weren't living in Canada. So it was a bit of a hassle to get there. Um, so we'd see him a lot. And then when I was 16, he invited me to go with him and his family to a life DE meeting in Atlanta. Um, at the uh, the old uh, airport Hilton, um, and it was the very early days of DE. So this would have been 1968, right? 1968, yeah, and started in '64. Yeah. Um, and so I went, and and uh, my brother lived in uh, in Georgia at the time. He was in in uh, uh, working for the Food and Drug Administration, and worked in Atlanta and lived outside. I forgot what town he lived in. Uh, so I was able to stay with him and then and then go to the meetings uh, during the day with uh, Cam and Audrey and and uh, met Sid and and I sat there and and I was uh, I was stupefied, mystified, and mesmerized all at the same time. And um, um, you know I could barely understand Sid's accent. You know I'm I'm a kid out of Western New York and and this you know drawling Southerner. You know I. <laughs> I don't know what the hell he said, but I liked it. <laughs> Not to mention the words that he might have made up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there were a few perspicacities and things like that in there. Uh, but anyway, I, 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 that was my orientation. And toward the end of the meeting, Cameron was, or Sid was going around the room, and it was a smaller group, maybe a hundred people, and and uh, and he was he was you know talking to each one and trying to touch base with each one as, as Sid would do. And he came to me and he kind of basically said, "Who are you?" <laughs> and uh, I explained that I was Dr. Cassand brought me and and uh, you know I was thinking about being a chiropractor and uh, right there in the meeting he said uh, you go back home do what you need to do get to Palmer when you get to Palmer give me a call and we'll go from there and I said yes sir and that's what I did <laughs> so I went back home finished up uh, high school and and did what I needed to do and uh, enrolled at Palmer and. Uh, Shortly thereafter, wrote him a letter and uh, said, "I'm here. Uh, I'm doing what you said to do." Yep. And uh, that, that's went from there. And then, um, uh, during the time that I was in school, I took one quarter off halfway through school. But uh, twelve of thirteen quarters, uh, we made it down to the DE meeting from a, from Davenport every quarter, 
and uh, became very involved and helped coordinate that. And and uh, I got on the the uh, wrong side of the Palmer administration at one point because we took mm-hmm. 13 busloads of students from Davenport down to one DE meeting. Mm-hmm. And uh, Palmer was a ghost town and Atlanta was hopping that weekend. I mean to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so what people don't know is right out of school, what, what did you do? Did you, did, you, did you, were you in Davenport? Did you head to Atlanta? Yeah, no, I, I graduated in December of 1973. Uh, I opened practice in uh, a, a small practice in uh, January of 1974. Uh, you didn't go to Palmer, but for the Palmer folks, I was uh, in Gil Schmiedel's office and uh, Dr. Schmiedel taught neurology and he was, uh, he was the faculty terror of the time. And, uh, and he was a great chiropractor, and um, but uh, I, I had a, a, a space in his office, and uh, I, I taught at Palmer at the time, throughout through 1974, and then in the fall of 74 uh, or summer of 74, Sid announced that uh, Life Chiropractic College was being formed, and I was at the meeting, and and uh, I approached Sid and said, I'm on the faculty at Davenport, and um, uh, I'm getting married in the fall, but uh, you know, if you need me, I'd be happy to be involved. And um, one thing led to another, and um, we, uh, Kathy and I, got married on November second. Um, I resigned from Palmer on December fifteenth. Uh, we packed up everything we had, and uh, we headed to Atlanta. And January sixth, we were in Atlanta, and uh, I was one of the three faculty at Life Chiropractic College, and. January 1975, and uh, it all went from there. Yeah, and I mean, and if people know the history. You went, you you know, I mean, you did. I don't think there was a job you didn't. No, well, we all did. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, whatever needed to be done, when it needed to be done, whether you like it or not, you know. (laughs) And and Jerry, I'll never forget my first introduction to you. I was transferring. You remember this? I was transferring from a college in the West Coast, and uh, uh, and 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 I had to have have an interview. And if you remember, there was a, it was in February, there was a snowstorm that weekend, and I wasn't sure if the college was even open. How many times, there was, there was one plow, I think, in the whole city. In, in Marietta. <laughs> yeah, I think it belonged to the hockey team, you know, along with the Zamboni, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And I made it over, and I walked in, and I just remember saying, Dr. Klum, Dr. Klum. And, and I heard someone say, in here, and I look, went in, I looked in the room, I didn't see you. And you, you saw me and you said down here and I looked down and you were on the ground. Remember this? You were cleaning a bookcase. Mm-hmm. And I said, hi, I'm Ron Overstam here for the interview. And you threw me a rag and said, come on down. <laughs> and I just literally was cleaning bookcases with you as we were talking. You remember what was going on? Remember who was yep. coming to town? Yeah, 60 Minutes, Mike Wallace. Yep, yep. And Sid had you guys, had the whole school just on total, you know, cleanup right Got oh it was spit and polish those days yeah. <laughs> it was great but that was it was um, it was incredible then you became my instructor my special schedule coordinator you know all that stuff and then the day you left to go to life west and and boom you know and then yeah. and then that journey as that took off which everyone knows the amazing things you did at life west and the amazing things you've done for chiropractic since then right i don't think there's one committee in chiropractic that you <laughs> haven't been on or been the chair or president of and, and everything else. And I do want to let our audience know that we did a, um, we did a retirement party, right? Remember the retirement yep. party we did, which sure was did. about what, 10, 10 years ago now? 10 years ago in January. Yeah. 
in January. And, um, and it was done at the Rotunda building in, in Oakland. Yeah. And I have just got to tell our audience and I happen to, and I was really honored, Jared. I, I was able to emcee that. And there was, I think if, 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 if that room would have imploded, we would have lost everybody in chiropractic. Anybody who had a name in chiropractic would have lost, right? If we had everyone on, you know, from the ACA to the ICA to the CCE to the FSU, to all these groups and all these, and every president of every college. And I mean, it was one of the most who's who of dignitaries in chiropractic that I've ever seen. I mean, to this day, you know, it was absolutely incredible. And, you know, the people came up and just shared their feelings and shared about you and, you know, you've been up, you've been, you're the statesman, you know, right yeah. now, chiropractic, yeah. and it's beautiful. And, you know, and, and talking about that, you know, where we are now, let's jump into research, because I know, you know, you, you've been doing work with the research, you know, you've been, you've been kind of, you know, doing the executive directing of the Rubicon and different things. And, you know, you've been deeply involved, I should say, of, of, of promoting, you know, Heidi Havoc's research, you know, that's going on in New Zealand. And then I know you're in Berlin, you know, doing things you know, at, at the WFC Research Council. But what do you see happening in research? And what have been some of the memories that you've had? Well, you know, if we look over the history of the profession, um, you know, for many, many years, we had a very um, awkward relationship with research. Um, and we, we really had a very significant misunderstanding of how it's done and what it's for. And um, we, we wanted to validate chiropractic. And that's, that's all we wanted out of research. Um, and it doesn't work that way. And so we've had to come to an understanding of how research does work. Uh, and I have traveled, you know, light years from where I was in my understanding uh, to today. And that being said, I'm not a researcher. Uh, I'm a good reader. I'm a good um, uh, uh, simulator. Uh, and I think I'm a pretty good teacher. Uh, so I can take those pieces and put them together and, and, uh, and sometimes come up with some useful information out of it. But, you know, the reality is research in this day and age is the coin of the realm. And, um, you know, if we don't have it, um, we're going to be left in the dust, without a doubt. So, as you said in the beginning, when we were talking about the, the my circumstances being with, a, with an eyesight problem, being a miracle case, and, you know, generally what we hear about today is musculoskeletal stuff and low back and neck pain and headache kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, the reality is it was low-hanging fruit. You know, it was a significant cost center. It was a significant... Uh, problem in healthcare, uh, you know, and anybody who's ever suffered with low back pain knows it's nothing to laugh at, and it's it's nothing to take lightly, and it's it's a tremendous complication in, in people's lives and quality of life. Doesn't often kill people, but it does, you know, uh, complicate things. And so, but we've we've had this relationship, and and when we we started to move in the direct in that direction, and we started to get some wind in our sails, uh, you know, I think we abandoned. The, the fundamentals of uh, those things that got us to the point where anybody paid any attention to us at all. And we took took advantage of that low-hanging fruit. Medicare came into play and we had some, you know, regulatory things to deal with and it started down that path. Insurance came into play and, and you know, low back pain, neck pain, headache, 
was easy to, to, to chart for, easier to record for, easier to report, and easier to collect on. And, you know, the profession wound up going in that way. And, and we lost that, I, that focus on the neuromusculoskeletal component, and we got eaten up by the musculoskeletal component. Uh, and then once we had proven the value of spinal care and spinal adjusting by our language, spinal manipulation in, in other people's language, but once we've proven the value of spinal adjusting relative to musculoskeletal problems, well, then it was, then it was well, of course, and everybody and their brother decided they didn't need to get involved in that. You know, if you think back in, when 50 years ago, in 1970, nobody wanted to adjust the spine. No, the osteopaths couldn't get away from it fast enough. And, you know, we were the only ones that paid any attention to it. Then finally, once we've proven the value through time and persistence, you know, everybody and their brother, the physical therapists want to do it. The, the osteopaths have a resurgence in it. We've got athletic trainers that want to do it. The naturopaths want to do it. You know, everybody, and, and the problem with that is they all think it's a, it's a simple, easy, no-brainer thing to do. And there's an implied insult in it that, well, if the chiropractors can do it, we surely can do it. And, you know, I, I compare it to, to, uh, to my racquetball skills. I am not an athlete. I don't have an athletic bone in my body, never had, never will have. But I played racquetball for a while uh, when I was in the early days of life. And it was a gentleman's game to me. I hit the ball off the wall. It bounces behind the line. I step out of the way. The other guy hits the ball. You know, it was kind of like croquet with a airborne, you know. And, uh, and then I got in that box one day with a guy who sent the ball that far off the ground, that far behind the line, at like 80 miles an hour. And there wasn't a corner deep enough I could get into so I wouldn't get killed, you know. That's racquetball. You know, most people, when they look at spinal adjusting, they, they think of spinal adjusting the way I play racquetball. The way we think of spinal adjusting is that that far off the ground, that far behind the line at 80 miles an hour, and brother, you better pay attention. Yeah. yeah. You know, and when you bring that kind of skill, that kind of expertise, and that kind of, of commitment to it, it gives up its secrets to you. You know, and it, and you get, you see things, you learn things, you understand things that the casual, you know, once a, once a week I do this thing, never, never has a clue of. Yeah, it's like, it's like the weekend seminar, you know, oh, go do a weekend seminar and learn how to manipulate the body, right? And, you know, that kind of thing, right? You know, it's like, there's no specificity there's no i mean it, truthfully yeah I, I agree with you you know i mean we all can no respect for it either no respect yeah learning how to do brain surgery in a you know yeah. a, on a weekend you know it's kind of kind of thing and yeah i hear you and that's what that's it's so interesting because you know you see where we are now right people want you know people respect the adjustment they they want to come get the adjustment. Medical doctors are sending people to chiropractors. I mean, come on, let's go be even back when I was in school, when you were teaching me, you know, back in the, you know, back in the late seventies, early eighties, you know, I mean, a medical doctor to send a, to send someone to a chiropractor was like blasphemy, you know, that 
no way, you know, yeah. no way. It's changing, you know, obviously, yeah. you know, and, and things are changing drastically. And I think, I think our precision of what we're doing, the artistry of what we're doing has grown tremendously also. That's right. That's right. Well, BJ had the artistry. And when Absolutely. You, yeah, when you Absolutely. were there, and I think you're right. It just got lost. And probably, I don't know, Jerry, you would know better than I. Did it just kind of move into that, whatever that model, the low-hanging fruit, back pain kind of stuff and flying sevens and things like that, where we just kind of, you know, we got yeah. lost in our own way, you know, yeah. on, on our growth. Yeah. You know, and, and the, one of the, the, the uh, paradoxes of chiropractic is that the care works so well, even applied at a minimal competency level, it produces remarkable results. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's plenty of room to be lazy and comfortable and successful in the same period, which is very dangerous. Very. You know, and so, you know, when you look around and you think of the, of the great adjusters, you know, that you're up against it, you need an adjustment, and, you know, it, it's life or death, you know, the list of people that I would turn to is a real short list. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's the same for most chiropractors. Absolutely. And it shouldn't be that way. It shouldn't. And so to get back to what we were talking about in terms of the research, I think one of the next frontiers of research, you know, is we've gotten the, the, the neurophysiology well down the road. You know, it'll take a while for the rest of our colleagues that that don't want to look at that data set and don't want to look at that information and they're comfortable in the musculoskeletal uh, box or the musculoskeletal um, container, uh, it's going to take them a while to, to come to that. But that's a, that's a matter of time. And, and there's nothing you can do to move people along. You can push them, you can pull them, you can cuss at them, you can kick them, but they're going to come along at their own time. They'll come along just as they did when they saw the value of, of a chiropractic care for, for spinal problems, other people will come along and it'll get more, more refined and sophisticated. But what, what, what we need to make sure that we keep our attention on is the, is the quality of the adjustment that we deliver uh, and the demand of the student. You know, one of the great complaints I had against CCE and I'm not bashing CC when I say this because I've said it in the meetings to CCE in public many times. Over all the site visits for all the campuses, I was at Palmer, I was at Life, I was at Life West, went through dozens of site visits and all of them combined. Never once was there a single comment about, about the adjusting skills, adjusting classes, the adjusting curriculum, the technique curriculum. Now, if you had one frayed cord on one PT machine in the clinic stuck away in a storage room, my God, the heavens were going to come undone over that problem. But nobody ever paid attention to what it is that we do at its core. Mm -hmm. Never. And what you don't review, what you don't check, what you don't measure, you don't improve and you don't value. That's right. If I were to ask you right now how much money you got in your pocket, I think you could probably tell me within a few bucks how much is in your wallet right at the moment. What we measure, we value. Right. And when we don't measure our skill, when we don't measure our, our uh, instructional capacity and so on, we don't value it. And when we don't value it, 
then it dissipates out and it becomes meaningless. Yeah. And, it, and I see that the, 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 the greatest challenge for chiropractic education is to restore the dignity, restore the respect, restore the meaning, and as a result, magnify the power of the adjustment in that exchange with the patient. Yeah. And, and Jerry, I want, I want our viewers to know this because I think it's really important, you know, and, and I inherited this, this chair, right? And before me was Brian Kelly did a phenomenal job, but before was you and you set the groundwork and life West has always been known for their adjusting for the amount of classes that we have. In fact, we were looking, we are right now 200 hours over around that over the CCE requirements, right? For for what that is, not even CCE, State of California, right? State of California, not CCE, right. State of California. And we we looked at it. Where are we over? Like, how, we like, what's going on here? And how can we lessen the burden on our students? It's our. We have so much technique, and it's it's hard to take that away. We don't want to take that away. Such problems we should have. This exactly because this is what it's about. But this is what you brought about, right? And 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 that's a credit to you because after what you just said, right, about how important it is to honor, to respect, to learn, to dive in, to become the best that we can be, right, and and to be exposed as students, right? Because that's the greatest thing you can do for students is to expose them because the mastery continues, right? You know when you yeah. get out. It, it's it's just incredible, and you are so right. And and obviously, you know, and, and on a vitalistic side, we truly understand the power and the value of a specific chiropractic adjustment. It's there's nothing better. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. I I, I had a group of students yesterday. You'll like this. Uh, they interviewed me on Zoom. A group of students are going to DE in in uh, in october and and so they asked me to come on just to share they want to interview me about it right because they knew that i grew up in de right just yeah, like you grew yeah. up in de and so they interviewed me on it and um and i told them a story about and you you'll relate to this lined up two three hundred doctors down the hallway waiting to go into one room to walk into the bathroom to get on their hands and knees put their head whatever side their atlas listing was right to have one person adjust them. You know who I'm talking about, right? Absolutely. Michael Kale, you know, yeah. to have a specific upper cervical adjustment, right? Just like that. When you value it and you understand it and you, you know, and then the miracles are there anyways. And I, I think I just want to touch on one other thing because where you talked about that, you know, because chiropractic works so well, well, it works so great when we, you know, when, when we have specific adjustments. But the other side of that, along with that, is, you know, our philosophy, right? You know, our, the principles. Yep. The body is a self-healing, self-regulating organism. So we are so far ahead of all these other people, the medics and everybody else in our game, because we already know that we got a body that works. We look at it so differently. And we know that the body wants to restore itself into a normality of state, right? All we have to do is, you know, remove the interference and it gets lost. Like you said, I, the simple things, Jerry, I don't know. They just kind of get lost along the way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, there's no doubt about that because, it, you know, the some people look at the concept when you say that the body's a self-healing organism, that 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 somehow is a is a um, is a cop out from, of responsibility or a cop out of of uh, need for knowledge or information or whatever. 
uh, and that you can just rely on that. You don't need to, to, to be skilled or knowledgeable and so on, which is asinine. Yeah. You know, um, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I'm working on a, um, on a letter to a, to a young person who's starting chiropractic school, uh, in the fall. And, and, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm trying to talk to them about, you know, understanding what you had just said, the, the, the recognition that the body is a self healing organism and, and it, and it has that inherent capacity. But then we have to understand its limits. We have to understand our ability to support that and our ability to interpret that. Uh, and, you know, it's a tremendous responsibility and it's a tremendous uh, challenge if you, you take and take it well. You know, I, I think about all those those great adjusters that we talked about, from Gonstead to Thompson to you name it. You know, there there wasn't a subject you could talk about that Clay Thompson wasn't lucid on. You know, from microbiology to to histology. Brilliant man. I mean, it was just it was fascinating to be around. You know, and and then you know you hear people think, well, all I need to know is how to adjust. Well. I suppose for some people that that's true in some cases, but to be the, the person you need to be to serve the patient and the profession, you need to apply yourself on so many different levels. And, and it's that, and, and then the, the importance of where that was going is that, is that the, the philosophical perspectives gives us the framework with it into a, and to hang those bits of information and interpret that information. You know, Sid used to talk about the, uh, the, the guy from from Brooklyn and the guy from Moscow uh, that, that got into business, and one was a communistic system and one was a capitalistic system. Business was business, but the processes that they got to those businesses were radically different, and the outcomes were radically different. But they still might have a pair of shoes was the, was the commodity in the you know in the exchange you know, and and the same thing, our respect for the body's ability to heal changes the ball game. That's right. I, I mean, no disrespect to the average physician, but I don't think he or she thinks of the body respectfully when they take out that prescription pad. They think of the body in a very deficient fashion that's disrespectful to the healing. And when now, we have that, when we have the, the word that kept coming to me when you were saying it was reverence. That's right. That's right. You know, and, and when we when know, we learn this and have that reverence, why would you want to go and just do this, manipulate, yeah. or just blind? Yeah. You know, when you've got this perfect, you know, person in front of you, right? Respect yeah. the reverence yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and you know, and, and I, you know, that example I gave, the prescription in question may may absolutely be needed to save somebody's life. I don't know that. I'm not saying that there's no room for it, right. but but I'm saying it's it's the thought that goes behind it and how that changes everything, uh, and you know it's that it's that reverence is the right word, you know, and thank you for adding that, and I th I think that if you add that to it and you understand that, that then creates a humility in the practitioner that I think allows what Sid talked about in that dynamic essential to come out is there what is there that causes that person to stand alone among their peers unique 
not in smarts, not in skill, not in anything else, but they're unique in their ability to serve and to give and to, and to get results. Yeah. And and for me, that's that's what it was about. And it was that amalgam of, of understanding what you're doing, why you're doing it, and then getting as much information with which to do it, and then doing it in a humble, serving, uh, reflective fashion. Uh, that to me is the formula for, for for causing your life to be something more than a than a, a person with a vocation, and causes your vocation to be an avocation. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, you talk about that, and Sid called it the, the dynamic essential. BJ might have called it that something. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's just when you, uh, you, you said it so beautifully, Jerry. When you get it, you can never lose that. You know, you can never lose that. Once you've known it, yeah. you spend your whole life either to protect it or gain it back. That's right. And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I, the greatest joys I had sitting in the chair that you're in right now Every once in a while, maybe a half a dozen times over 30 years, I'd walk the hall or something and a, and, a, and a young person had come out of the clinic and they had just given an adjustment that changed the patient's life, changed their life. They knew it on a level that they could not express and they were looking for somebody to tell it to and somebody to talk to about it. And, and I was the guy in the hallway. And, and I can remember half a dozen of them taking them into my office, sitting them down. They must have felt captive because I didn't want to let them go until they had talked that so through and understood. And, and I mean, they understood their role in life differently after that moment of that adjustment than they did before. You know, and, and they were different. And to have the, the privilege of being the first person to share that thought with after they've had that experience was one of the greatest joys I ever had as president. What an honor. What an yeah, honor. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, Jerry, and it leads us, it leads us to this and I don't want to end this conversation, but, but, you know, cause we can go on and on and on and, and, <laughs> and I, you know, we're hitting about 45 minutes. We normally do about, Oh Lord. I'm good. I am so good because if anybody, turn this off. They don't know what they've missed, right? So, you know, hopefully they'll turn it back on at some point. But if you are still with us, you just, you just got a dose of, of what I was so honored to be, to, to have as a teacher, as a mentor, you know, you just got, a, you just got clumenized, we'll say. <laughs> um, you know, when you look at this and you talk about it, and we'll, we'll kind of wrap it now, but when you talk about it and you, you know, that, that reverence and everything else. It's like, why? I, I, it, we've always said this. Who wouldn't want to be a chiropractor if you want to be in the healing arts or who wouldn't want to have chiropractic care, right? When you really understand it on that human, human side, that, that deep side that's there, right? And, and all of our greats in our profession, you know, when you look at Gonstead, you look at Thompson, you look at, you know, you can name them and just, you know, BJ, right? You know, Sid. They all have that. That's right. They all have that. You know? yeah. And it's not available to the few. It's available to everybody. You know, it's whether we look for that and whether we want to move towards that. And that's the most beautiful thing. 
Yeah. Jerry, I love you. And I so, <laughs> thank you, my friend. Man. Good to be with you. <laughs> I want to keep going. It's like, this. yeah, yeah. Um, and just thank you. And, you know, from the bottom of my heart, I'll be able to thank you for the next 30 years, but thank you for the bottom of my heart. Um, you know, all that you've given to this profession and, and what, and I know you've gotten back, you know, immensely, but all that you've given and the thousands and thousands and thousands of chiropractors that, that graduated from, from Life West, you know, under your leadership that are now out doing things that are just amazing in the world and the work you've done on our profession, the work you've done, you know, on so many different levels that people have no idea, you know, the, the ad hom meetings that you've sat in for <laughs> ages and ages and hotel food that you've ate at our, you know, for us, you know, for us. Um, everything you've done. I mean, you know, you when when they say a scholar and a gentleman, you truly exemplify that. And wow. and I know you know I'm I'm coming from my heart when I say that. So you're you're very kind. We you're love and kind. appreciate you so much. La any last things that you want to share with our with our with our viewers? Drop one more pearl. Come on, one more. Uh, I think the purse is empty. Uh, I just you know, it's. Uh, um, I, I've had a, a charmed career. Um, I, the opportunities that came before me, um, I can't imagine. Um, how, you can't imagine how fortunate I feel um, to have, have been at the spot that I was when I was and to have the, those opportunities uh, come to me and you, you said I've been involved in this and that and lots of organizations and lots of meetings. And I, I think of all that I've gotten from chiropractic and I could do this 10 times over and I still wouldn't pay back what I've received from the profession, from the care and, and from the, the mindset uh, of being a chiropractor and how it's shaped my life, my family's life. Uh, and I am, I will be so eternally grateful for it all. And most importantly, for the people, many of whom we've talked about today, Cameron, Sid, you know, along the way, who uh, just have meant so much. And I'm, I'm very grateful. Yeah. And we are very grateful that your father had the wisdom to take you to Dr. Cassans to have that adjustment to change the course of your life, which changed the course of ours. So very, no question. very thankful. You did good, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. Yes, he did. Well, to our viewers, I mean, I don't know, I even know how to end this. Um, you know, Jerry, thank you. And I've said that right today. Um, to our viewers, thank you for listening in. If you sat, and I know you're here with us now, you just really just had something that it touched my heart. I'm sure it touched your heart, but it connected something within. And, and just remember that every day you have an opportunity to share the chiropractic story. Every day you have the opportunity to touch people if that's, if that's in your realm. You know, just never forget, you know, what Jerry had said about that, that amalgamation of the knowledge of the body, the wisdom that's within the body, and putting that into practice and being able to understand that as we deliver the adjustment. There's nothing greater than that I can imagine in the healing worlds and chiropractic and, and, uh, Dr. Klum just, just shared that with us. So, so thank you for tuning in to our Life West Leadership Line. We'll be coming at you again. Uh, 
for our next leadership line. Until then, make sure you're hugging people, you're loving people, you're giving, doing, loving, and serving, and coming from that place of abundance. And until our next time we get to cross paths, I hope to see you soon. Thank you for joining us today. And for the love, commitment, and passion you emanate every day. Together, we know we will make this world a better place.